This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. You jumped up and... Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic back him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello! Columbus 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got to Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 in the only time zone that matters. That means it's brought. It's time for the Debbie Debate brought to you by CampusCan.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nace. And I'm Felix Sharp on a quote-unquote elite version of tonight's show. Number one QB Sam Heward enrolls at Washington. Is South Carolina's Kevin Harris overvalued or undervalued? And we look back at tweeting hyperbole. But we start with potential playoff expansion uh, in college football. 24-7 is reporting that the college football playoff is considering expanding. A quote from an article published earlier this week, CFB executive Bill Hancock, who never rocked the boat as the face of the BCS and now the college football playoff, revealed that CFP's working group had reviewed 63 possibilities of expanding the playoff. The options include 6, 8, 12, and 16 team fields. Uh, No further information was provided, but those few lines might have well said expansion of the four-team field is not only coming – but could be coming soon. Matt, how excited would you be to see the college football playoff expanded? I'd love it. Uh, not only just because we'd see more than like the same five, six teams we've seen recycled the past couple years through there. I, I think it would actually make college football a little bit better. A good friend of ours at, at the network here, Alfred, is always talking about it. it. feels like all these players keep going to the same schools because those are the schools getting into the playoffs. If it expands and we get to see more teams in the playoffs, we might actually see some of the talent kind of diversify through college football. So I think it would be a great thing. Not just that, you could – you know, the w- different ways I-, I would suggest reading the article. I think it's on CBS.com or 247 Sports, uh, 24 7 Sports. I'm sorry. And uh, it- it's really good. The guy goes into a deep dive into what it would mean for each one. They talked about six, eight, 10, 12, and 14, 16 as well, different things. And actually, that the, uh, the college football committee will actually be meeting and possibly voting on that on June 17th and 18th. So if they approve that and they're able to get ESPN on board, who has a contract with them for all the bowl game or for a lot of the bowl games and the playoffs, I, I, I highly doubt it, but there is a slim chance that that could possibly go into effect this year. So it could really change up the entire college football landscape, in my opinion. Uh, Austin, I mean, do you think that the college football playoff expanding could have a some sort of ripple effect on recruiting or how these programs build? I don't know. I, that's It's so difficult to say. I mean, anything that gets pit, any sort of chance to get in this thing is all right by me. I mean, Matt doesn't really care, Mr. Ohio State down there. You and I, this impacts you, the two of us more than it impacts him. So maybe we should have a discussion about this separately. 
Um, maybe I don't know because I think I actually think the the one year recruiting thing is going to have a bigger um, impact on on recruiting and everything than this. But these two combined, I think, will be interesting to see uh, what happens. All right. Well, one team that doesn't have to worry about the college football playoff is the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, but their running back, Kevin Harris, is kind of shooting up um, a little bit, uh, according to our April ADP. He's going ahead of his teammate, Marshawn Lloyd, LJ Johnson, Zamir White um, at the wide receivers position, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Quentin Johnson, Caleb Williams, and, and Hudson Card. Um, you know, I'm not sure that the quality of running back depth in college is so plentiful to criticize his AD, his ADP here. And when I originally drafted this question, that's exactly what I was going to do. But I'm not sure how confident I should be about the running backs, at least behind him. And he's a productive but polarizing player in the Debbie community. Um, Austin, do you see Harris as being a future day one or day two NFL draft pick? I think he could be a day two guy. I don't feel great saying that, but I mean, he has good size. You know, he's over six feet tall. He's going to probably weigh in about 220 to 225 whenever, you know, he graduates and moves on to the combine. He looks like a good enough athlete. And I think there's a really fine line for some of those guys that start getting that size, you know, because everyone thought Kylan Hill was probably an okay athlete. And then he went, you know, in the sixth round. So it, it really is a fine line, but I think if he tests, okay, um, then he should. And I think he's still going to get a decent amount of touches this year. I think we've talked about that on this show a lot. People just assume that Marshawn Lloyd's going to come back and just completely steal his lunch. I don't think that's true. I think they'll they'll split the carries. There's no reason to rush Marshawn Lloyd back because we saw Harris go out there last year and lead the SEC in rushing and was a competent, probably even more than competent pass catcher. There's no reason to rush Lloyd back. So I think he's going to get, he's going to have two years of production there. He's going to have the size. I think he'll be close to the athletic line. So yeah, I, I could see him being a, a third round draft pick. You know, I think anywhere from, from third round to fifth round seems like it's completely in play right now. I don't, I couldn't see him creeping into day one. I don't think he'll ever touch that or even really, you know, the top half of round two, but after pick 50 or so, you know, Maybe. Well, well, I think he's at pick 38 or so right now. I didn't get the the overall ADP. But speaking of his potential testing, well, you were on uh, your mission trip in Columbus when uh, we had Kyle Francis on, and he pointed out Kevin Harris's testing, 445, his verified testing, 445 in the 40, 426 in the shuttle, and uh, 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 34, 35 inches in the vertical jump, all at 200 plus 200 pounds. And then, as you said, I mean, he was a sophomore last year, runs for 1,038 yards, 6.2 yards per uh, attempt, and 21 receptions. I, You know, Matt, is, is this a player that you are actively targeting? And if you are, are you comfortable with taking him ahead of guys like Quentin Johnston, uh, Caleb Williams, Hudson Card? It's kind of hard to answer that question because I think a lot of that goes into what your roster construction is at that point in the draft. Uh, I've done a couple of mocks and I'm in a startup right now with Austin where I kind of went the same route he did and faded quarterback. So I would be okay taking him over a Hudson card and Caleb Williams there. Uh, and I, I would have done that. I think when I last looked, his ADP was where to go 33.75. So there's a couple running backs there that I, I like just as much of him, but I feel like he's really at the end of that tier uh, of guys that I trust that could get that draft cap. Like you guys were just talking about, there's a couple behind him, a Tyler Algier. I'm still really big on Raymond Davis. I think could get some decent draft capital. But Quinn Johnston, I, I really like as well. If I really didn't have any running backs, I'd probably do it. I think just to pay based on how I tend to build my C2C rosters, actually to long-winded answer this. Yes. I take him over all three of those because I like to have running backs. I can get wide receivers later in the draft. I think still have value. And I've been trying to kind of punt quarterbacks after those first three or four uh, earlier in drafts. He kind of seems like a low upside pick though, to be completely honest, like how much higher can Kevin Harris climb in any sort of rankings? You know, going as what you said, what the RB13 right now, 
I think RB14. I think I think it's pretty clear, you know, just looking at the guys ahead of him. You know, you have Bijan, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Tank Bigsby, Jameer Gibbs, Travion Henderson, Kyron Williams, Zach Evans, Jace McClellan, Kendall Milton, Eric Gray, Diamante Trianum, and Will Shipley. I could see him getting above like maybe three of those guys. And then I don't know what that ceiling looks like when you hit the NFL with a guy like Quentin Johnston that, that, that you mentioned, or I, I don't want to throw Hudson card in there. Cause I think he, you know, he's got a pretty wide range of outcomes, but a guy like Johnston, like I feel like we haven't seen his ceiling yet where I think maybe we've kind of seen what Harris offers, which is a nice back. He's I don't think he's going to be like this elite, you know, bell cow in the NFL. So for whatever's that that's worth, I, I'm not sure I would take him ahead of some of those guys you were just listing. Well, you said three yeah. running backs. What what three? Because for me, it's Shipley and maybe Gray. I, I don't see him really jumping any of those other guys. So who's the third one for you? So I actually would say Chip, Trainum, um, Will Shipley, and Kyron Williams. Just because again. Okay. And I, I really like Kyron Williams. You know, there's been a lot of discussion um, about him on Twitter and stuff the past couple of weeks, and they did a really good show talking about him last night on Debbie Royale. Um, but if you guys don't listen to that show or watch that show, it's really, really good. I highly recommend that. Um, but I just think Kyron Williams, he's listed at like 195, and he's pretty maxed out. Like, I can't see him getting that much more weight. And we just saw the NFL fade all these sub-200-pound running backs. That's, that's also in the back of my mind. So I think his ceiling is kind of capped as well, no matter how – good of a pass catcher he is or how good he looks in college um so i could see harris jumping him just because he's 30 pounds heavier plus the only player that i could see potentially that i would say okay i would take this running back ahead of harris is potentially lj johnson um you know his value is probably being suppressed by the fact that isaiah spiller is there but as soon as isaiah spiller leaves next year i mean his value is going to skyrocket and we haven't seen his ceiling but I think what we're seeing is, is that, you know, Debbie fantasy football, college fan, campus to Canton, the guys that we're really confident about, there aren't that many of those guys. I mean, that list is, is very short and those guys are ranked ahead of them. Um, I think that there's probably one or two tiers, you know, ahead of Kevin Harris. So, um, uh, but that all that said, I'd probably take a wide receiver in that spot. All right, let's move on to another interesting story. Um, Sam Heward, the last I heard, is that he was in Washington State. Washington State didn't play their season in 2020 due to the pandemic, and so he was going to play this spring. He did play this spring for his high school and then uh, enrolled late into the spring semester for Washington. He enrolled on March 29th and then played in the spring game on May 1st. I watched this game, and Dylan Morris, who's a sophomore, I mean, he looked better. He looked like he had been in the system. Sam Heward looked like a freshman who had a couple of practice, uh, practices before the spring game. Um, Sam Heward is our composite QB 18 overall. He was 24-7's number one pro-style uh, QB. Austin, are, are we getting ahead of ourselves in assuming that Sam Heward is going to start sooner rather than later? Yes, and I don't know how he was even able to enroll in March. If I called up, if I called up any school on March 29th and said I would like to come take classes for you guys, there would just be a click on the other side, and then I would be nothing. So I mean, obviously, I'm not a five-star quarterback or whatever that that's going to make the school uh, millions of dollars over the next few years. But um, the fact that he even was able to squeak in there, like. He can't be taking classes, right? He can't get a semester in like five weeks. So I don't know. He's, the mechanics of of how he worked out this playing the spring season and then going to Washington and playing like three practices and then playing in their game, um, I don't I don't understand. Um, I think you know Matt brought it up a couple months ago that that he wasn't going to be there, and I I do think that we should be pumping the brakes. You know, Dylan Morris is a collegiate game manager at least from what we saw out of him last year. Um, if you're a game manager in college, you know, your your aspirations probably aren't that great in football. Um, and then I think, you know, it, it's actually funny because I was saying that I thought O'Brien had a chance to kind of go in there and, and maybe take the starting job to start off with just because he is a fifth-year guy, Colorado State. You know, he ran some decent offenses there, uh, whatever you think about him, but apparently he's not looked good at all this spring. Um, I do think it comes down to Morris and Heward. I, Morris is going to have that job day one. 
Now, whether by the end of the year, um, Heward takes it. I, if Washington loses a couple of games, I'll just turn the reins over to him. I'm just not sure exactly. You know, they, they have a lot of turnover on that roster. Um, you know, a fairly new coaching staff. You know, they were new last year, but, you know, last year didn't mean anything. So, um, yes, I think we should be pumping the brakes a little bit, but I don't think that should um, lower his value at all. You know, I don't think a freshman breakout for a quarterback is is necessary. You know, when I think about it, the only freshman that I can see starting from day one is J.J. McCarthy. And for what it's worth, he'll start, but I'm not confident about the weapons around him, you know, to necessarily have success or the coaching staff, quite frankly, to develop him as a quarterback. But we could see, you know, what type of play, at least for the freshman quarterbacks, we're probably going to see what he uh, what he can do really early on. You got Caleb Oregon, Williams, not I said Oregon State might have a freshman starting quarterback. I'm just throwing that out there. Nobody's talking about this kid, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Who that, is that? That might be a freshman. Um, I think his last name begins with a V. I'm going to look him up here really quick. Um, okay, but I, um, yeah, but I, yeah, you talk. Uh, let me filibuster up. just for a second. But yeah, the, the so the freshman you got Caleb Williams is not going to start. JJ McCarthy at Michigan. Um, Sam Heward, Tyler Buchner is not going to start at Notre Dame. Um, who, who am I missing here? Um, oh, Bruning, help me out of the freshman quarterbacks. With who? I don't even know who you're talking about. Tyler Buchner, you already mentioned, uh, was it? Oh, fuck, I don't even know. Sam well, Heward. Go, um, yeah, going back Hudson, to Washington. Uh, Drake May is not going to start. Who else are we? I don't even know. I can't think of anybody else. Now, Ty Thompson, did you mention Ty Thompson? He's probably the other big name one from Oregon. Yeah, but it – yeah, but Brown is gonna, I think Brown is going to start there. So, you know, going back to Washington, uh, Dylan Morris did complete 61%, 60, 60.9% of his passes, um, 900 yards, 8.2 8 yards per attempt, 7.7 yards per uh, – I'm sorry, no, 8.2 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, three interceptions. So, you know, not a very aggressive passer. You'd like to see that yard per attempt be up above 10 um but we'll see, we'll see what happens there austin did you, did you get that name yet yeah it's sam vidlack he's apparently looked really good in all of their um their spring practices and stuff uh he was like yeah he's in the top 50 for the class but he was he's a mid three-star i guess you'd say um but i he's going to compete with with who they've got there um I've just heard that they said that he, as a thrower, he's looked the best out of all the guys they have on the roster. Um, and oh. nobody's, uh, he's not getting drafted anywhere right now. So just a, a nugget to throw. He's a baseball there. player as well. And then high school. Wonderful. Dual sport. Um, let's move on to this segment that I'm looking forward to. So let me set this up. Each of us were assigned to one another and we went through each other's tweets for any time we use the word elite or some sort of hyperbole. So, and now we're going to, you know, it's like an old takes exposed thing. And we're going to see what folks said, you know, months or years ago about whatever. Um, we don't know what the tweets are going to be, what are going to be thrown at us, but we're going to have to explain ourselves. Um, Austin, you, this was your idea actually. So why don't you start, start us off with what you found from Matt's tweets? Oh man, where to begin? Oh, just give us the first one. Just give us the first one. Yeah, I mean, 97% of them were some bullcrap about Ohio State. So we had to really sift through the only junk nine, here. Only 97. I'm only 97. I'm yeah, kind of surprised yeah. by that. Um, I, I tried not to pick Ohio State ones um, just just because, you know, that's that's no fun. Um, so you you tweet the first one I picked out here is about Chuba Hubbard. And you tweeted this out last year. Um, you had tweeted your your Devi RB rankings for 2021 going into the year. You had Chuba Hubbard second. Mm-hmm. We'll gloss over that for right now. Um, that's probably a different episode. <laughs> but somebody asked you about about him, and you said you're good with his play strength because he showed that he could break tackles last year. I think he has elite vision and very mm-hmm. rarely misses the hole. Mm-hmm. Do so, you still think that Chuba Hubbard has elite vision looking back? No, no. At the time, I feel that's a fair tweet. Not now. No, a lot has changed in this year. I feel like I'm not the only one who's going to say that either. No, I, I don't. I, I think 
whether it was I mean, I don't even know how, how to explain it because he looked like a completely different player. Uh, the uh, What would you say? The 100% opposite of what we got from Isaiah Spiller a year ago where he looked horrible his freshman season and then looked completely different this year. I think you could say the vice versa there for Chuba Hubbard. I thought he looked amazing. I, if he would have come out last year, I think – I don't know if he would have gone ahead of Taylor Swift. He would have probably been – Four, well, last year was actually a pretty loaded class. Four or five for me, but I still think he would have been drafted much higher than he went this year. Coming back hurt him. I don't know how much was that. That was injury, bad offensive line, bad quarterback play, but no. To, to answer your question, I would not say that I feel his vision was elite like I thought it was uh, going into last season. And he had some bad luck at the start of the season. They played some really good defenses, including Zayvon Collins' defense. They lost uh, Spencer Sanders right at the beginning of the season and say what you want about Spencer Sanders. He's a dual threat quarterback. Shane Illensworth is not. So, you know, he didn't have the best 2020 in addition to all the COVID and all that stuff. So, all right. Um, Bruning, you've got, uh, you've got, you've got me, you've got me. Come on, let me have it. All right. So I will say that uh, if you guys scrub Felix's social media account, uh, you have a better shot of finding him explaining why all these players are not elite or what they are not elite in than anything else. Because all he does is say, this guy's really, really good, but he's not elite in this, 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 and this, which makes him not an elite player, which is wonderful. Um, you could just say he's not a good player. But anyways, the the first one I pulled up here is for Jalen Rager. Um Kent Lee Plate at Math Bomb posted a 2020 NFL scouting combine thing on Jalen Rager, uh, all together bringing his relative athletic score to RAS 9.44. Um, he put a bunch of eye emojis on there, and then you tweeted out, still headed for elite. Uh, obviously did not have quite the rookie season that we, and most of us expected. I was very high on Rager as well coming out of college uh, in the 20. Uh, 20 NFL season. Do you still believe he is headed for an elite NFL career? No, I don't. I do think that he was probably on. Uh, this is this is tough. Where you know that's me considering him as a prospect. He had an 18 year old breakout age for a team that wasn't very good and made explosive plays, and and then you know was was. I think the thing I learned about about Jalen Rieger is to believe the combine testing. Because if you remember during that, during that combine, um, Jalen Rieger was the odds on favorite to be the fastest wide receiver. He wasn't. And then it seemed like, well, they must've just got the testing wrong. But then you had Justin Jefferson who was actually elite in all of, all of the testing and then went and had uh, a really good, I mean, a, a season comparable only to Randy Moss as a rookie. So, um, you know, at the time, at the time, I still would have. Be, I mean, he was an elite, he was an elite return man. He was ex, an explosive player in college. He just, I mean, he broke his hand in in training camp, and and then the Eagles happened to the Eagles, and and he didn't have the greatest uh, the greatest rookie season. I would not call him elite. I mean, I guess this, that's the lesson in this whole exercise. But I still think that he was a very good college. Uh, prospect. Um, he just kind of surprised us, kind of surprised us with his athletic test. And I thought he would have been in the four threes or, or something like that. So, um, so I, he, your, uh, of, oh, go ahead. He, he gained too much weight before the combine is what screwed him. He tried to bulk up and weighed in really well. And then they ran and, and stuff like crap. Um, I remember the whole <laughs> the array getting right. really hyped up for the Rieger testing <laughs> and then his yeah. meltdown on social media was really, really funny. Yeah. Um, uh, to answer your question, Kevin, no, I read that strictly right from the tweet. I don't even know what the 9.44 for a relative athletic score even means, to be honest with you. So it's yeah. out of 10. So it's, uh, oh, so that's, so that's a, probably a really high good. score. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Kentley Platt is from Michigan. I don't know what town though, Austin. Um, all right, and he's a Detroit well, Lions fan. I'm disappointed in you. Right. You don't know what town. Kalamazoo, stand I, up, just because you said <laughs> Michigan. So that's what, usually what happens, right? We need to all get right. Kalamazoo stand-up T-shirts. <laughs> oh, it's it, oh, never great. mind. Yeah. I shouldn't say okay. anything. There might be something in the well, works already with some <laughs> unmuted stuff for Felix and and possibly some <laughs> other catchphrases coming. So, um, all right, Austin, I had you, and. Yeah, I, I don't use the word. <laughs> <laughs> you don't use the word 
full disclosure, I had the entire team <laughs> at Campus to Canton scour your uh, tweets for, for, for uh, you know, hyperbole because I was having a hard time um, finding stuff myself. You don't use the word. But let me let me not cheat the game, okay? Let me not cheat the game. Let's go back to December third, twenty nineteen, where you actually did. You actually did, in fact, use this word. And uh, again, if you're if you're just joining us, um, Austin doesn't know what I'm about to read. We did not we did not cheat. We don't know what uh, what everybody pulled. Oh God! Deep threat is the title of the of this particular. Tweet. It says, while Waddle is certainly elite on the underneath stuff, he can beat defenders as deep. He can beat defenders deep as well with his excellent athleticism and his ability to, to get a clean release at the line. He burns Tennessee here for a 70 yard touchdown. His deep speed will keep defenses honest. Austin, why don't you bask in the glow of the one time you had a take on a player? You called Jalen Waddle uh, elite with his with his athleticism. So. Are you, are, how are you feeling about that? I, I get really, really bold with my takes online. Um, <laughs> I, I don't use the word that much. And I think what actually prompted this discussion um, was that one of you guys probably used it. And I thought it was dumb. And I was like, oh, I can totally bring this up on a later episode. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't really ever use it. Um, you can, I mean, do you have other ones that are hyperbole that I don't use a lead on? Well, I mean, we'll we'll see. Okay, I mean, okay, good. Because I think I think I've only just, used it like twice ever. We're we're just doing so, we're just doing we're just doing one at a time here, Austin. This is uh. But but I would say that I, I still think that Waddle has elite athleticism. Um, although I I do want to see how he comes back from his ankle injury. I am interested to see if he comes out you know guns blazing, especially because he tried to rush back, obviously way too fast in that game, and he's out there like hobbling uh, hobbling on the field so i am interested to see if he comes out of the gate um looking really good this year uh, it does concern me slightly all right austin give us another one of matt's all right matt um the other two here like they aren't i mean i, I think they're they're going to be interesting discussions about a player um, Yay. um so this one's about jerry and ely um great. who we were in the discord crapping on earlier um, you had posted, uh, not only is he a dynamic runner, but is a ton of fun to watch in the receiving game as well. Ely has elite speed and is going to be fun to watch against uh, the Bama defense they were playing that week. Um, this stood out to me. Just, uh, do you think Ely has elite speed? Yes, because I said it. So why wouldn't I? Um, no, I, I, well, I guess it depends on what you classify as elite, right? Like, I'm not talking about athletic sprinter speed, but. Is he go? Well, I'm trying to think of. I don't even know what. Does anybody know what his 40 time would be? I don't want to say it wrong and then Moxley come in here at the end of the episode and butcher me again. <laughs> Light so. your ass up. <laughs> I'm going to go with. I think he probably is going to run a decent 40. Moxley, if you could look that up for me and let me know at the end of the show. Uh, but I mean, no. Does he have elite speed? Probably not. But I do think that he he's faster than Austin. So that's elite. I agree, Kevin. So we're kind of on the same page here. I don't know. We've never raced. Can you say that? You know, Kevin. Yeah, you know? yeah. You, I mean, you keep talking about that extra twenty you put on because of COVID. We know that slowed down Rager. I, I think it's fair to say Rager and Ely are a tad bit better athletes than you. So maybe, maybe give you a couple time. months to you know get back in the gym, work out a little bit. Maybe you can catch. I mean, does it matter though? Does is are is anybody like trying to grab Jerry on Ely in any sort of league, yeah. Austin? I mean, he better have elite speed. He better test the elite in that category if he's going to weigh in at like 5'7", 185. Like, he, if you don't run a 4.35, what does that profile look like? It's not very he good. Should Which is the discussion I wanted to have about this. So He should absolutely go play baseball. I mean, he should absolutely go play baseball. He's more money. He's not – I mean, he's undersized for the position. He'd be a perfect second baseman or whatever, or outfield, whatever he is. He's probably fast for baseball. He's Pretty sure he's he played outfield. Field. If I remember okay. correctly. So, All right. I mean, no, he's, I, yeah, he's I, quick. Yeah, he's really, yeah. really quick. I, I don't. I think part of that too, and wanting to see him play Alabama's defense was for that. Like, I want to see if he could do it against the big boys because if he's good enough in the receiving game, even at his size, I do think that he could find a role in the NFL. But I do agree, it has to come down to what Austin said. He's got to test well. If he doesn't test well, he's going to end up not in the league. All right, hit me, hit me, Matt. 
Oh, shoot. My bad. I'm over here looking at, at Star Wars memes again. So, um, Anyways. All right. So this other one, and I don't know if you actually tagged us in this for a reason or it was for like this actual show. What are you like? Are you laughing at that meme? No, I'm laughing at you. Like oh. making fun of Felix and his technological savviness or lack. No, thereof. well, because it came after the fact that like we had talked about this, the three of us about doing this show at one point. But then I don't know if you. It, no, I'll just read the tweet. We talked about this game and the relevant hashtag Devi players last night on the Devi debate. One player I forgot to mention, which I assume we were talking about Zach Wilson at this point in time, at BYU is tight end Isaac Rex. Elite size, because you capitalized elite. Elite red zone option. CC Debbie Deets Sports Fanatic MB4 file. So that's why I didn't know if that was meant as like you're filing this away so we could have this discussion later. This was just like a, hey, I meant to talk about this last night. Uh, but you still believe that. This obviously was coming off the Coastal Carolina game. I didn't see the the retweet off there. But Isaac Rex, I, I think it's fair to say, is not a player not many people, if anybody, was talking about. Now, granted, you've been much higher on a lot of the BYU guys before anybody else. So do you still believe that Isaac Rex is a, has elite size and is an elite red zone option? Uh, Isaac Rex, true freshman, even though he had his, um, his mission trip between high school and starting at college, um, led the country mm-hmm. – in touchdowns as a freshman tight end, I believe with 13, I believe that's that's correct. No, he absolutely has elite size for the position. He moves well for the position. He's going to be a Hayden Hurst um, age when he's eligible for. I mean, he could declare for the draft this year if he wanted to, or he's he's already three years removed from high school, even though he's a freshman. Um, but no, he is absolutely an, an elite red zone weapon. I, I think I still stand by that. Um, and a lot, a lot of people don't know that, but it's one of the reasons why Zach Wilson had as good of a season as he did, because once he got into the red zone, he could just throw it up to Isaac Rex. In fact, um, there are a couple of play. I think against San Diego State, where they ran this free flea flicker play, Dax Maline was wide open, nobody within 20 yards of him on a post, and Zach Wilson st- still chose to throw the wheel route uh, on the backside to Isaac Rex because he was that comfortable with him. But he's a he's one of those at the at the tight end position, you know, like Tyler Eifert. You got to be able to go up and get the ball in traffic and, and be able to have good body control and uh, and play above the rim, and he can absolutely do that. So I stand by. Um, Isaac Rex being elite. But I don't think you all would disagree with that. He's big, but he's like 50. So, And you're going to have the analytics crew come in here and talk about, you know, when he's 50 and he's beating up on 18-year-olds, is he really elite? That's what they're going to say. Just, just chiming in for those guys. I don't necessarily believe that because I do think Devonta Smith – is still a very good wide receiver, even though he was 32, I think, this last year when he was playing against these freshmen. So, but that's what they're going to say. I'm just like, you know, I, I see Moxley smiling and laughing in the background, so I know he agrees with me. And then watch Isaac Rex get get taken ahead of Jalen Watermeyer. Book, it's just it, that. it's uh-huh. tough with to evaluate BYU skill positions a lot of the time, just because they're all. I mean, a lot of them are older. It really, really does make it more difficult to kind of watch some of these guys and and project them to the NFL. I mean, would the Dax Milne get drafted this year? Yes. Yeah, he was in the seventh six round. Or seventh round. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's difficult to to say. All right, Austin. I'm gonna cheat here because Please. because you don't first of all, you don't have like hot takes on Twitter. I remember you told I remember when we did the bold take segment to start this show. Uh, during the season, you're like, I don't, I don't have any bold takes. Well, that was evident in, you know, I had Colin and Alfred and Jarek and everybody try to help me find some tweets of yours. And this is one, um, you didn't use the word elite here, but I'm cheating because your, 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 your tweets are boring as far as using the words elite. So I can't, I couldn't find one like that. Back in April of 2020, uh, you identified your top quarterback rankings you had Trevor Lawrence, number one, Justin Fields, number two, Trey Lance, number three. And do you know who's number four? Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Accurate. All, this is your quote. Accurate over the middle of the field. Arm strength, mobility, toughness. Do you stand by uh, Brock Purdy with such a lofty, lofty ranking? Um, so he, I mean, he wouldn't have been my fourth quarterback in the class. Um, but... Jamie Newman was number five, by the way. I, I still think he's a day two guy, though. Is that weird to talk about? 
I mean, no. he's going to have started a ton of games in college. They're going to be good this year. So some NFL team is going to fall in love with his intangible intangibles or whatever other bullshit that, that they love from some of these guys. I think he has requisite arm strength. He's kind of a poor man's Jake Locker. Remember Jake? I mean, do you guys remember Jake Locker at, at when he was in college where yeah. he was way more athletic than Brock Purdy, but he was kind of awkwardly, awkwardly athletic. Like you never watched him and you were like, damn, like that dude's just like flying or whatever at the quarterback position. I think Brock Purdy is like the very, very store brand version of Jake Locker. Um, so I don't think, I don't know if he'll be a good NFL guy, but I think he goes day two. Um, and you know that we, who are the day two quarterbacks this year? Trask, um, Mond, and um, there's one other guy too. I mean, that's not bad company. You know, those guys all have a chance to start at some point. And, and Mills. Um, yes. I th- I think that we could see uh, so the supply for next year's quarterback class is really really um, uh, depleted, and we saw it. And so I think that that could push the value of some of these quarterbacks up, whether it be Brock Purdy, Carson Strong, Matt Corral, whoever it's going to be. I think we're definitely going to see their value pushed up because of the lack of talent in that class. We saw it with the running back. We saw it with the running back and the wide receiver class. I don't know how the 2020 class could have all of those options. Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, um, J.K. Dobbins, all went in the second round. And yet we had uh, uh, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne go in this class. And then in the wide receiver class, I mean, in 2020, again, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jalen Rieger. Those guys all went after number 10. Henry Ruggs went the earliest. Um, and then in this class, you got Jalen Waddle or uh, Jamar Chase going number five overall. Jalen Waddle going uh, top ten. Um, so we saw the the lack of the lack of a uh, of a supply in the in the class push those guys value value up because you couldn't get you know uh, uh, the the class was top heavy and it's going to be the same next year for the quarterback class. All right, um, Matt, you got or whose turn is it? Oh, I, I got. Back, I think it's back to me. Oh, yeah, back to you. Back to you, Austin. Um, so this one, this one's a fun one. Um, about Jamar Jefferson. <laughs> Matt's face lights up. Leaning lean forward now. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> what you got? So you you did a whole breakdown on him in this thread, uh, but I I pulled this one tweet out where you said, "Coming into 2020, many of us were not sure which Jefferson we would see." Well, it's clear early on that he's still the elite prospect we saw his freshman year. Mm-hmm. And then he went in the sixth round or seventh round. Yeah. So that doesn't make him elite just because he went in the sixth round? I, I Look, would say probably let's, let's, not, let's just let's, let's Let's just do this really quick so I can throw this out there. Let's not have the argument about draft capital again. It was a whole after show last week. Feelings were hurt. People got upset. Let's not go there again. No, I don't. It's a joke, Felix. Calm down. I, I don't care about the, uh, I don't care about him going to wait. Maybe I shouldn't have said that he, he was an elite prospect, but I've said before, and I know that you guys disagree with it. In fact, I've got a, a tweet here from Felix. I was looking at when he was replying back to me that he said, Jamar Jefferson doesn't have a single elite trait is that I believe his footwork and his vision are. So maybe I should have stuck with that part instead of saying he was an elite prospect overall, but I still think that his vision and footwork is incredible. And it's why I thought he'd get fourth round draft capital. That obviously didn't happen, but I think a lot of that came from his poor athletic score testing. And I don't remember who tweeted this out and I wish. So one thing I wish we would have known about this beforehand, because I could have looked this up and Moxley, maybe you can do this for me or I'll try and look at it in a minute because I retweeted this out. The NFL teams have or college teams have that uh, the tracker, the GPS stuff on players now where Jamar Jefferson, two of his runs were some of the fastest in college football this last year, if I'm remembering correctly. So I do think that some of his athletic testing was not, it was bad, but I wonder, and I said this on this podcast, if he had a bad day. So I, is he an elite prospect? No. Do I still think he has elite traits in his game? Yes. Do I think he's going to be better than the sixth round pick that he got? Yes, I do. I, I honestly think he's going to be the backup to DeAndre Swift. Granted, you're going to be backing up, in my opinion, one of the best young running backs in the game. So he's probably not going to do much, but I still think he is much better than the sixth round draft capital he got. Jamar Jefferson is going to be a college coach in three years. I mean, uh, so he, he might he might be elite 
uh, an elite running backs coach. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, uh, he's going to go back to uh, Oregon State, and he'll probably be coaching that v- Vavik guy that we were just talking about. Um, all right, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I told you, tried to tell you, didn't have any elite traits. Um, all right. I mean, this is uh, no, we won't get into that. Go ahead, go ahead. You brought her. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. no, I'm not butt You're all in your feelings. Go ahead. You wanna you wanna call me out about that? We'll we'll discuss it after the show. You seem to remember forget about all your Ramondre Stevenson takes being the third best running back in this class and Zach Wilson being better than Justin Fields and Tre- Trevor Lawrence. And now when someone tweets anything bad about Zach Wilson, you're like, oh, no, he's behind Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and, and Kyle Trask for me. But then when someone tweets something good, you're like, that's my guy, QB2. So you you, you change. Well, never mind. Yeah, just, you know, I stick with I stick to my guns. I still think Jamar Jefferson is better than what you guys give him credit for. And we'll see. In four years when he's had a good career, or decent career and he's still in the NFL, I'll bring that up on the show. I'll, I'll save this little clip. And we'll replay it four years. Um, is it my turn? No, it's oh, my it's turn. Bur- it's Burning's turn. Oh, go. So just just to give you guys an idea of the of what I had to deal with here when uh, going through Felix's tweets, I mean, I, at least I made it easy on Austin. It sounds like Austin didn't necessarily make it easy on Felix, but a lot of the stuff that I had to deal with was like uh, where'd it go? This weekend is an elite vocalist in the Super Bowl halftime show. Good thing elite dual threat quarterbacks could not provide additional data. What was the other one? There was a couple of them that just like were very annoying. The Jamar Jefferson one, I had that saved uh, as well. Who was it? Like Brock Vandegrift, your guy, going off on how great he is. But it's like doesn't have elite arm talent or really elite physical traits. So, But then he was still your quarterback one in the class, which made no sense to me. But the last one that I pulled up uh, that I thought would just be an interesting discussion, because I do like the player um is you posted on 620 of 20 my c2c ncaa 14th round pick ronnie rivers running back out of fresno state an elite ncaa player with nfl potential due to his all-purpose skill set do you still feel that way yeah i mean he's gonna finish as a top five ten ish um uh on the college side of your campus to Canton leagues because he can catch the ball. That Fresno State offense is really, is really, um, is really uh, explosive. And his father, uh, Ron Rivers, backed up Barry Sanders. And I think I have Ron Rivers autograph some from, from uh, training camp, Lions training camp where they practice at Saginaw Valley State. University. I'm pretty sure I have Ron Rivers autograph somewhere. But yeah, no, he's absolutely he has an he is an elite and uh, elite NCAA um, uh, running back. The problem is, is he can't for the life of him. He cannot break a tackle in the open field. I mean, he just can't. He just can't do it. Um, but he's very very natural catcher. Um, and and again, that that between Jalen Cropper, Jay Kaner. Um, oh, I can't remember the other wide receiver who's going to be a super senior this year. Uh, but they have an elite offense, and yeah, he could have. You could take him in the thirtieth round of your NCAA startup leagues and plug him right in as your RB one, uh, and he can. And he's going to average thirty points a game. So yeah, I still feel that way. You said this weekend was an elite vocalist. The weekend, the weekend, the singer who performed at the NFL halftime show, even though that halftime show was super whack, is an elite vocalist. He can. That boy can sing. That boy can sing. He's all right. Staying burning. Okay. All right, Austin. Let's go back to you. Oh, God, Austin. I'm sorry. I forgot to. You don't use the word elite, so I had to just pull like your bad tweets. And you can thank Colin for this one. I think Colin is passive aggressively trying to get back at you for your, um, you know, teasing him on the Campus to Can podcast. May 28th, 2020. Demas Lloyd Boot. I think you were ranking them. You're 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 responding to a tweet asking to rank these guys <laughs> as far as Debbie value. Demond Demas, this is your ranking. Demond Demas, Marshawn Lloyd, Kayshawn Boutte, uh, Bowman, Tank Bigsby. And you added, I think Lloyd is the safest of them, but Demas has just but Demas just has the crazy athletic upside. Bigsby is the one I differ from most others. Good player, but not that special in my opinion. Do you want to elaborate at all, Mr. Nice? Yeah. Go ahead. That was a a pretty good tweet. You know, I highlighted how DeMoss, you know, had the athletic upside. Um, 
I had Lloyd above Bigsby. Smart, smart. Um, I mean, I think I'm still lower on Bigsby than consensus. So for whatever that's worth. Um, but he he did have a better freshman year than I thought he would. He he uh, he scared off DJ Williams quicker than I thought he would. Um, to be completely honest, I thought that would be uh, at, at best a timeshare for Tank. I got that one completely wrong. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah. Um, I guess if I had to re-rank him, I'd probably uh, probably flip Boutte up to the top there, huh? Um, and and I, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 but. There's no way you nobody knew Butte was going to do that. I actually don't see anything wrong with your tweet whatsoever. I mean, I've been higher on Tank Bigsby than you are, but you're correct. You're tied with like three other people having uh, Bigsby at five in our running back rank. So, and I would say in your defense, you've been very staunch in the fact that you don't think Tank Bigsby is as good as Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. That's probably, I assume, why you have him down at five. So, I mean, can, did in all honesty, asking both of you, did anybody talk about Boutte being what he was last year before the season started? Not that I can remember. I don't remember anybody even mentioning his name. So, you know what the sad part is? In my rankings, Boutte was wide receiver three last year. Mm-hmm. But... Anytime people asked me, I thought DeMoss would keep value longer. I did not expect Boutte to have the freshman year that he did. I thought DeMoss, even if he didn't play that much, like he's dropped like a stone compared to really what I thought he would. I thought that was pretty well insulated. Um, So I guess, I mean, I I was definitely wrong on that. And I'm starting over the past year or so, I'm starting to wonder if people are – starting to catch a fade guys that just do nothing as freshmen, you know, is that starting to be more of something that we do and we should do? Um, that's probably a different discussion for a different day, but, um, and, and yes. we, yeah, we will have that discussion. Um, any, any more, any, any more, uh, are we good? We good. Okay. Everybody's feelings. Everybody's, uh, there were, egos. There were okay. a lot of, there were a lot of, uh, G Scott tweets. I did not. Uh, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring him in. I was this. hoping. I was hoping we were going to go there. You want to throw one out there really quick? Let's do it. I don't I, remember saying anything outside. I think he has elite football IQ. I believe is the one thing I've said about him. Which how how do you know that after watching? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It based on what I think about his his route running, the way I feel like he always finds the open spaces, and I I probably didn't put that in the tweet, but I also go based on what a lot of other people have talked about, and I've read from other coaches and everything said, and the people I talk to that know him now say the same thing. So I, I base that off what I hear from other people as well. I don't think I said anything else about him. Maybe elite hands. I, I probably could have said that. Elite route running. Yeah, I think those all kind of mixed in. Hey, hey, I'm not taking any of that back. You can go ahead and you can quote me on that. I don't I'm know that I would necessarily disagree with you on that. I mean, I just I, I I just wish he would have gone to a school that would actually could develop him. All right, Chris Moxley, get in here and un, unmute your unmute yourself and uh, and tell us what we got wrong. Y'all were excellent tonight. To be honest, you did not miss a beat. You hit all the players. That's a hundred percent. Um, the only thing that I'll add is, uh, on the Kevin Harris debate, you know, he, he was, we, 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 he was kind of mentioned as a, a good, uh, runner for his size, but he had the lowest broken tackle percentage on the team at 25.4%, uh, which was, which was the third lowest among all five SEC running backs. He, uh, also had the lowest content. Yards before contact percentage. Um, on the Jamar Jefferson debate, he actually ran a 21.1% or 21.1 miles per hour, which actually translates to 4.4 speed. So that is in uh, Bruning's favor in terms of what he is athletically. But y'all, overall, y'all, uh, y'all didn't miss a beat. All right, thanks, Chris. Uh, that is going to be our show for tonight. Check out the latest written content around campus including undervalued QB breakout candidates in 2022 by yours truly, Matt Bruning, keeping the faith in Rashad Bateman by Chris Moxley, and in the family of podcasts, catch Why Wait Till Sunday and Alfred's interview with Georgia Tech's uh, Kyrick McGowan and why the 2021 wide receiver class looks so diff- different. Hey, 
Leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcast. Uh, apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time, but we'll get them rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, puts to the end zone. Hunter Rimbaud caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Rimbaud! And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.